0: This episode of The Luminaries on Deep in the Weeds is proudly supported by Deputy, rostering and timesheets without the usual chaos.
1: I dug my heels in from there. I was like, all right, this is it. This is, you know, this is Louis Tickerum. This is go. And, um, you know, and it's. <laughs> and then these guys come along and they go, ah, oh, why? <laughs> why are you making me choose? <laughs>
0: This is The Luminaries on the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Rolling the dice, taking a chance with nothing to lose. Some people have an amazing ability to maintain the mindset of nothing to lose, throwing themselves in the deep end and learning to sink or swim. For those brave enough to risk it all for reward, the outcomes can be incredible. Louis Tickerum... Is the executive chef of Stanley's in Brisbane, Louis? How are you?
1: I'm good, thanks. Good to see, good to talk to you. <laughs> I wish we could see each other. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you've um, you've been a real sort of um, adventurous, sort of taking risks, rolling the dice, sort of nothing to lose, sort of attitude as a chef in your career, and it's it's opened some pretty incredible doors for you. Has there been sort of positives and negatives with this sort of mindset that you have?
1: um it's kind of funny you say that because i only really only noticed that i do that kind of um quite recently actually like when i moved to la and things like that and i kind of tend to then i just realized i've been kind of doing it my whole life like when i was in primary school i asked my parents oh can i go to you know there was we'll kind of smack bang in the middle of two primary schools and I said, oh, can I try, you know, that primary school? And then I kind of did it in high school as well. And I don't know, I've just always, and I've just loved like making new friends, you know, seeing new things and, you know, and, and so I've always kind of been in that mindset without even quite, kind of realizing it till, till quite recently. But um, to be honest, it's, yeah, it's, I, I, it's only been positive. It's, it's been, uh, you know, it's, yeah, I can't, I can't really think of anything negative about it for sure.
0: Well, even with that mindset it does create um challenges and um and hurdles and and things that you need to overcome even once you step through that door um, take us back to when you were young you you grew up um in northern new south wales um what was it like for you to sort of step into food
1: <laughs> it was um it was pretty amazing and it's um you know, like I, 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 started washing dishes and that's really was my first step into a real restaurant. Um, my grandmother's, uh, Fiji and Chinese and my grandfather's Fijian Indian. So food was always a huge part of, um, of growing up, you know, in, in the family. And, um, you know, we lived in Mullumbimby in Northern New South Wales, but we'd go back to Fiji a lot. And, uh, and that's, I think, where I really appreciated food where, you know, that when when we're in Fiji, there wasn't any TV, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't anything to do. So food was everything. It was like I could wake up in the morning and smell my grandmother cooking already, you know, like, and that was that was her, that breakfast, and she would cook lunch, then she would cook dinner, and then we would clean up and she would go to bed and she would get up and she would do it the next day, you know, and that was it. That was her, you know, like, and that was for everyone to sit around that table and to talk and eat and share and, 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 you know, that was that was the form of entertainment for, for the day and for the evening, yes. Yeah, so, you know, and another, you know, and then I really, to be honest, I just started washing dishes because I needed the job. Um, so it was very kind of serendipitous and then I got into the restaurant and um, and I kind of already knew the flavours. I knew cumin, I knew coriander, I knew turmeric, I knew you know, all chilies and spices and um, I was actually washing dishes in a, in a Thai restaurant and, uh, and from washing dishes led me to cooking when um, one of the, one of the um, you know, chefs didn't turn up and it opened a door and then I just, you know, jumped on the, and, and started cooking and, you know, and that's how it really, I was just catapulted, you know, into, into you know, the food
0: world. The story of your trip from the area you grew up to Sydney really sort of embodies this nothing to lose sort of a mindset that you have. Can you, can you tell us that move you made to to Sydney and and the impact it had on you?
1: Yeah, well, you know, and then that was the, you know, and then I, I was, I've always loved very complex and punchy and flavoursome food, you know, growing up in in that household. And then I started cooking this Thai food and I was like, holy moly, like this is, you know, there's tamarind and fish sauce and soy sauce and chilies and, you know, like everything you could imagine and then just balled up into this just powerful flavours. And I was like, wow. So, you know, and then I turned 18 in school when I was washing dishes and um, I went up and I was in the beach hotel in Byron. After work one day, and um, this the beach hotel had original restaurant in there was Finn's, one of Steve Steve Snow's restaurant, and you know, this was I think it was a I think then it was a two hat restaurant. You know this is early two thousands, and it was kind of really big on the scene. And uh, I was sitting there at the bar, but I didn't really know anything about that at this point. I just saw these you know chefs come out of the kitchen, and they kind of look like rock stars, and they came around to the locals bar and. In, in the beachy and one guy sat next to me and, you know, we started chatting and I told him I was cooking and I worked in a Thai restaurant in Ocean Shores and he said to me just kind of out of the blue, I was like, oh, um, you know, if, if you like Thai food, you should go to Sydney to this restaurant. It's called Long Rain. It's, uh, you know, it's just one best Asian restaurant. It's one, uh, you know, a big wine list of the year. It's got two hats. And I was like, oh, you're very naive. You know, I was like, oh, wow, Long Grain sounds great. It's probably similar to Gecko Thai where I work, you know, Ocean Shores in the in the Bilo car park, you know. I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. That sounds good. Long Grain, all right. So I kind of went home that night and um, like, honestly, like, yeah, just what you're saying, it's kind of funny talking about it. I just didn't. I didn't really think about the challenge. I didn't really think about how naive I was. I didn't really think how it was going to work. I just said to my parents, I said, I think I'm going to move to Sydney and I'm going to try and get a job at this Long Grain. And my mum just like burst out in tears. She's like, why are you leaving? Where you?" And literally within a couple of days, I packed my car and I left and that was it. And um, my brother was going to Sydney Uni at the time. So I got to his house on Abercrombie Street in Chippendale and um, I, I, I parked my car around the back and then I went inside and caught up with him. And then the next day I went off to this long grain and uh, <laughs> I'd never, honestly, I'd never stepped foot in a, inside of a good restaurant. You know, I've the only restaurants I'd ever been to were you know, like just real rinky-dink kind of mum and pop or, you know, Mullum Chinese or, you know, like that That was that was my upbringing. It was, you know, lived out on a big farm in, in, in Mullumbimby and we didn't really, you know, do too much of that. So I got to this restaurant and these big, beautiful glass doors and windows and I walked in and, and um, this woman stopped me right at the front. She's like, hello. I was like, oh. Yeah, go tight. You can just walk straight in, you know. Like, And she was like, "Oh, what? Do you, are you here to see someone? I said, oh, I'm here looking for a job. And she said, oh, does anyone know you're coming? And I said, oh, no. Like, you know, I'm just just a restaurant, right? Like, geez, why are you so uptight? And um, she said, okay, I'll get the chef. And um, and then that's when I was waiting out in the dining room and, and Martin Bowitz came around the corner in his chef whites, tea towel over his shoulder. And he um, he kind of just said, yep, what do you want? And I said, oh, I'm here looking, I've just moved from Malumbim, I think that's as far as I got. <laughs> and he was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? I said, oh, I'm just looking for a job." And he's like, no, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing going on here. So, you know, and that was kind of, um, that. Uh, and then actually now thinking about it, now you mentioned it, that's when I was like, ah, oh, shit. Um what have, I, what have I done here? So I think, yeah, that's like leaving yeah thinking about it now. that was probably one, one, one time I was like,, uh, was this a good idea?" <laughs> yeah, so you know, it was that, that wiped the smile off my face pretty quickly. Um, yeah, so then you know, I went home, went to my brother's house, and he said, "What happened?" I said, "Oh, it didn't go too great." And I said, okay, he said what, what, what are you going to do?" I said, oh, I'll just go back tomorrow." I'll see what happens. So same thing, got up, went back. (laughs) And then the same thing happened again. And then I got back to my brothers again. um, And he said, what happened? I said, oh, same thing. And he goes, mate, well, you're not staying on my couch forever, so you better sort it out. (laughs) I said, okay, I'm going to go back tomorrow. And I went back the third day, and Marty came out again, and he goes, "Jesus, you're a persistent little thing, aren't you?" I was like, "Oh, you know, like a, this is well, basically, I had in my head, I haven't really thought about it, so this is my only shot." <laughs> so, and then yeah, and then that was it. So and then he took me in and 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 uh, gave me a job and bought me and bought me a chef coat and bought me a knife and uh yeah. Fast forward
0: ten years, I was I was uh, I was head chef, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild, the, the uh, rising through the ranks there and and becoming head chef. Um, do you have any stories of those early days of what it was like in that kitchen for you having sort of only experienced the kitchens of Mullumbimbi?
1: Yeah, well, you know, this was – and I think this is, you know, I always say, you know, every chef is a bit a bit wacky, you know what I mean? You have to be a bit wacky to make it. So, And I just think back and I just try to pinpoint, like, you know, why did I love it so much? And how did I just stick it out? And why did I love, you know, working 60, 70 hours a week when I'd I've, I've never even done it before, you know, it was just completely, completely new. And I was just, I was addicted to it. And I just, you know, like I, from that first day I, I stepped in foot in that kitchen and I think maybe it was, you know, people, um, not being nice to me and, uh, Having to earn that respect, um, I think, was a really big part of why I succeeded. And I wasn't just gonna say, "Oh, this is too hard," and these guys are assholes. And no one like I was like, "No, I want to. You know, I want to. I want to show these guys. I want. I want to. I want. Really, I think it was, this, I want to be them. I want to be a good chef. I want to be a leader. I want to be successful. And that's really, I think, what. um you know really pushed me to um to succeed and you know my first day it was i remember i cut myself probably six times like my hands were like covered in band-aids <laughs> like i was bleeding and but i was too i didn't tell anyone. i was too embarrassed i just go to the and tape tape myself up and get back out there and and so it was just a really steep learning curve for me you know i, I made curry pastes every day um, you know, people would just come and just dump these big pots of pork cock that were braising, and you know, just uh, peeled prawns, and I, you know, peeled galangal and lemongrass, and I just had you know shit shoveled on me every single day. <laughs> and um, you know, like you know, and out the back with me, it's a pretty funny story, it's pretty amazing story now to tell it. You know, this this other fresh. Kind of, he was uh, he was more experienced than me, but fresh to the country, kind of bright-eyed and bushy-tailed chef next to me out the back in this room where we were just getting yeah. shit dumped on us was uh, Luke Powell, and he had just moved from New Zealand. Uh, he had just moved from from the uh, from the uh, from the lower hut near Wellington from New Zealand, and and uh, when I came back, it's a funny story. When I came back from chopping myself up a hundred times he saw it you know he saw me go and tape it up i've never really told anyone this and uh he goes he looks at me and then looks at my fingers and he goes oh boy you give yourself the chop <laughs> and <I was> like, <laughs> I was like, oh yes nothing don't worry about it you know like and then from kind of that moment on we were we were friends you know we've been friends ever since and uh you know, just looking at this guy, this cool guy. You know, he could—he had knife skills. He could, you know, he's chopping this ginger. He was, you know, just had such swag and charisma and style. You know, and that—that's who I looked at, and I was like, oh man, this is like—I want to be one of these guys. You know, I want to be a chef. I want to be, you know, I just one of these badass knife wielding kind of, you know. And um, I think that's what it was. I think it's the camaraderie and the friendship and the support and, um, you know, that really made me fall in love with, with the industry. I love cooking. I love flavors and I love eating, but it was really the the friendship and the support that I received in that kitchen that, that made me fall in love with it and made me want to become a leader and to one day pass that on to chefs under me as well. So that's kind of been my main goal to, to, to put that feeling into to young cooks and to into young boys and girls that, you know, to, to show them that you can make something of yourself, you know, like through this
0: industry. The the time that you spent in Sydney, there was a detour that you made with a couple of restaurants before coming back to being head chef at Long Grain, the likes of Tetsuya's. You've worked at uh, Bentley, the original Bentley as well. Well, well. Do you have any stories of the experiences you had with those?
1: Uh, Bentley was, it was, uh, you know, Bentley was the, the one that really, uh, it was the one that really kind of took me to that next level and to, to, um, that showed me the dedication and the passion that you need to be able to succeed in the Sydney food scene. You know, like, uh, you know, when we, when we open, uh, I, um, I was just – I'd only been working at Long Grain a couple of years and I only knew Asian food because that was it. I went from gecko tie to Long Grain and it was just I knew how to toss a walk and I knew curries and I knew how to chop as fine as possible, you know, and um, and that was kind of it, just knife skills. had So then when I got to Bentley, I um, uh, it, was, it was quite difficult to, to – to to cook, you know, European food, and to saute, and to, you know, like um, do do all these different types of techniques, and slow braising, and stocks, and juice and sauces, and purees, and you know, so roasting. You know, we didn't roast anything at Longgrain, so it was um, <laughs> that was you know if, if that they've backroom at Longgrain was was hard. Like Bentley was was much harder. It was a very very small team. Um, it was a very intense environment with such a small team—one person, one section, lunch and dinner. If you fell behind or if you messed up, it was the the whole kitchen and the whole reputation of the restaurant would go down. You know, and that that was you know that was the the responsibility that was put on us. And um, that's when I became really good friends with Dan Hong. He was the he was the sous chef and we had a lot in common. We had, we loved basketball and hip hop and skateboarding and, um, you know, like uh, we, did a, we did a lot in common and I don't know why he took to me because I was such a kook in the kitchen, but uh, he kind of, <laughs> he kind of, he knew, I think the thing is he knew I cared and he knew I wanted to do better and um, he supported me a lot. Um, in that kitchen along with Brandt and the other chefs. But, you know, and that's when I think he could tell. And, and I did. I improved. I, I ended up, you know, he he won the Josephine Pignolé Young Chef of the Year and he went to New York to stage at, at, at um, WD50. And um, when he left, I took over sauce section. Um, and that was a massive achievement for me. That was a big I never thought, walking in that kitchen, I never thought I was ever going to to, um, to 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 take over that section. And when when he won that, and he went on his trip to stage, I took over, and yeah, and I just went hell for leather, and I really wanted to make sure I could succeed and and um, you know keep keep the section afloat while he was gone.
0: You've worked with some incredible chefs in your time. What was it like in the brigade at Tetsuya's? Oh, that was pretty amazing. That was, um, you know,
1: that was cool. And then uh, from Bentley, I, I went to, you know, that's me and me and Luke staying in touch. Luke was the, the sous chef at at Tets, and my I always wanted to travel the world. Like traveling the world was my, you know, that's I probably saved the first ten dollars my, my grandfather ever gave me, as a kid to, to one day be able to just travel. And um, I knew I had to get, you know, a International name under my belt if I wanted to go to New York and Barcelona. And and I knew Tets at this time, Tets was the fourth best restaurant in the world. And I knew Tets was, you know, the one that could, you know, hone my skills in that really refined style of cooking. I've only cooked really kind of slam bam, you know, crazy services, you know. (laughs) So I knew that was the one that could teach me consistency. And, um, and so I joined the, joined the team at Tets and that was just amongst, you know, some of the, you know, now in the Australian food scene, some of the, you know, the, the top chefs, you know, that have just been before me or just, or been after me or during my time there, you know, like Dan Puskas and Phil Wood and Mikey Clift and Luke Powell and Dan Robinson and Dan Pepperell and, Hongi and Zhao and you know like in everyone you know so that was kind of almost like uh, you know Thomas Lim who's in LA now you know we, we all passed through there you know and it was quite cool there was always it was quite cool to be a you know a member of one of those um, you know just one of those main veins in the in the Sydney dining scene you know you had the Rockpool guys you had the Tets guys you had the banking the Bacass guys and, you know, it was, it was, it was quite cool to, to, to be, to be, you know, finally in one of those, one of those crews. So, um, yeah, and that was an, an amazing experience as well and really take so many skills. I, I learned from there, you know, now even running Stanley, um, you know, just the consistency and, you know, the first dish is just as perfect and, and just as refined as the, as the last dish, you know, at the end of the night. And, you know, it was good. It was it a good. good slap in the face for me. You know, I feel like working there with a big team as well, um, it's kind of what I needed to, to set myself up to, to lead uh, my own restaurants and to also travel and, and stage in restaurants as well.
0: How did you end up back at Long Grain in the role as head chef? <laughs> that was a
1: pretty funny story. I um, got lots of funny stories. <laughs> <laughs> so after Tet I set off and I, I went and I did travel. I did everything I wanted and I was gone for two years and I worked in New York and Vancouver and traveled around and, and traveled through Europe and Southeast Asia and and then I got home, and I was kind of, kind of pretty. Uh, I was pretty low key. I'd been away for, you know, lots of it was backpacking and kind of, you know, going a bit crazy and kind of southern Europe and things like that. So, you know, I got, I got home, and I kept it pretty, pretty low key. Um, and I was staying at my auntie's place in Potts Point and a couple i think it was the day after i landed i went i was like oh i wouldn't mind like a nice you know, sydney coffee and you know go and hang out and it's, it was nice weather and, and then walked up McClay street and bam who do i see marty straight in front of me <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> why didn't you tell me you were back what are you where are you working? Hello, oh, oh, <laughs> I just got back. Literally, I'm just like so jet lagged, just dreadlocks in my hair, like, you know, like everything. And he goes, I've come to Long I want to, I want to show you something. Come and come, and come at two o'clock. And I said, okay. And I thought it'd be nice to go back and see everyone. And I went back and it was like, literally, you know, like there was a scaffolding outside and, um, there was all you know construction going on, and they after ten, I think maybe fifteen years, they were giving Long Range just a massive facelift. Renovating downstairs and building a big bar and all new beautiful banquet seating and big tables upstairs. And he took me, you know, did the whole Hard Hat tour and showed me around. And I was like, wow, this is like you know epic. And he said to me, he said, oh, so what do you think? I said, yeah, it's good. Like, I think it's amazing. Like, it's really, no, he goes, no, what do you really think? And I said, oh, no, it's great. Yeah, and he goes, no, do you want it? Do you want to run it? <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, you know, and that was, like, a really big thing for me while I was, you know, like, um, traveling around and backpacking, There, you know, it, it crossed my mind a lot of times, like, did I just throw everything away back in Sydney? Did I go from a, you know, like a curry paste maker to a, you know, to a to a CDP in, in, you know, in that time? And did I throw it all away? And am I going to go have to go back again to the bottom of the ladder and work my way up if I want to, you know, like become a sous chef or, or something like that one day? And, um, you know, and that's another one, you know, it's coming back. It's, you're making me think like, you know that's another one. I just threw caution to the wind, and I kind of thought it'll, it'll, you know, it'll all work itself out. But I wouldn't be, back. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have hated going back and going on the section and working my way back up. But I just kind of, I just, you know, I did it, and I came back, and you know, and that's what I was thinking. And then Marty, to just say, do you want to be a head chef like within eight hours of being back in the country? um was just you know it was just an, an amazing i just got you know goosebumps and shivers down my spine and and literally the next day i suited up and i um <laughs> i went into long grain and we started to prepare menus for the downstairs uh short grain a takeaway canteen and a bar menu for the, the big bar that opened and a re kind of jig of the upstairs menu with new kind of cool room facilities and dry aging and you know new production stuff so and then that was just the the next part of my life and then yeah we just just went in like hot and heavy to back into Longrain as head chef and um yeah it's just like a whole I think it was a new you know what they wanted as well you know it was a new chapter of Longrain and it was a fun Kind of bar downstairs, and just a whole another another life that I was helped. I was helped kind of make impossible for them, which was cool.
0: This episode of the Luminaries on Deep in the Weeds is proudly supported by Deputy, helping managers and staff do their best work.
1: Hospitality is all about the connection. A business starts with passion, but gets bogged down with all the complexities that come with life, society. And rules, if you can simplify this mundane, then people can be happy and they can thrive. And when you have happy staff members and happy managers, your customers will sense it. They'll be happy and you create that connection. That connection is hospitality is about.
0: For more information, go to deputy.com. You did amazing things at Long Grain, but you eventually got a gig in, in LA and you ended up being named as one of the chefs to watch in the US. It was a pretty massive change. How did that happen?
1: Um, yeah, that was, uh, you know, after after four years of, of running Long Grain, um, uh, yeah, that just, I got approached by, you know, these, a couple of kind of good looking roosters um you know <laughs> kind of you know that was just like this crazy offer it was like listen with that, I just won the Josephine Pignolet young chef of the year that was that was it and things were kind of popping off and I got Long Grand back to two hearts and you know it was all it was all going and and that was my life you know that was I had I dug my heels in from there I was like all right this is it this is you know this is Louis ticker this is go and, um, you know, and it's <laughs> – and then these guys come along and they go, oh, why? <laughs> why are you making me choose? <laughs> and, you know, they they they, often, they said, listen, we love what you're doing. We love this food. We love this style, just zingy, zesty, fresh, funky, music, DJ, cocktail, sharing, you know, good looking people kind of hanging around you know like and that was it you know like and i said oh yeah cool and i said listen we've got this site in la we want you to come and check it out and we'd love you to come and 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 you know do something like this over there so it was um and i just i just i don't know i just kind of i didn't i think one of my kind of defense mechanisms is is just like not getting too invested i mean like okay and I was like, okay, you know, like, if you want to fly me over, we'll take a little look and I'll see if I can do it, if you can do it, you know. But I was just absolutely, you know, it's set on long run, you know. I was just like, okay. And um, so we and then all of a sudden they said, okay, let, just let us know, email, address, this, that, that, and the ticket came through to LA, boom. And um, I, I flew over and... And America had always been, you know, like just talking about me and Hongi and Bentley, you know, like America is just, you know, for me it was, I'm a a skater, I'm a surfer, I'm a a basketball fan, I'm West Coast hip hop, like it's just that LA especially was like the the mecca, the epicenter of everything I was into, Um, streetwear, sneakers, you know, so flew over. I don't know anything about L.A. at this point of time. It's like, yeah, it's on the corner of Melrose and La Cienega and West Hollywood. I'm like, okay, that could be Chino Hills for as I know, you know. like, It's like, <laughs> I was like, okay, so I flew over. And we went and just saw this most amazing new build, just this three-story on this iconic corner Um, right in the middle you know there's like there's designer labels around it cool cafes just these you know high end like luxury cars rolling around just just celebrities and paparazzi on the street and this yeah and it was just like oh wow and it was just plywood and some steel and some stairs and that was it and um, I just you know I just didn't look back I just said okay sign me up what are we going to do I went around and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I came back. I, I signed uh, this contract I came back and then I was just like, so we just got married. We'd just bought this apartment in Sydney. I was a head chef. Everything was just, you know, like going in this kind of, you know, amazingly dreamy kind of direction of my life. And I got back and I said to my, my new wife and I said, oh, I signed, a, I signed a contract to, for us to move to LA. <laughs> so uh, what? <laughs> and um, yeah, and that was you know, and so the good thing was it was still kind of early days, so I could give the guys a work, you know, a really good good heads up, and, um, and I the, my sous chef took over, and um, you know we'll still really great friends with Marty and Sam in the long run, but, you know, it was just like, it was just this opportunity came up and I just knew that if I didn't open the door, you know, people would stop knocking. So, you know, I did that. And that truly, you know, all these different stories I tell you that, you know, um, you know, this helped me and this kind of got me places and that changed my life. Well, that that move, that move really Changed my life, changed changed everything. You know that that move was uh, was massive, and opening that restaurant and the success of the restaurant and um, everything that kind of came with it. That was the you know that was the, the pivotal turning point. Yeah, for sure.
0: What did you take from your time in in LA and and um, cooking there as well?
1: Um, I think just probably just being um, just kind of being. Cooking and and just being myself, um, I feel like that was probably what I did in LA the best and really what I didn't change and was actually ended up, even though people thought it was a stupid move or it was uh, a move that was destined for failure, actually set me apart from all the other restaurants and all the other styles of cuisine and food and service that ultimately then shined a spotlight on our restaurant and made it, you know, one of the busiest restaurants in, in West Hollywood. So, um, I just think, you know, I I just said to, I said to someone when I was over there, I was like, I'm not going to move halfway across the world from a job I loved, from a team I loved, from a restaurant I loved, from a, from a life I loved to not cook the food that I want to cook and, and cook the food that I want to eat. I I would have just rather stay in Sydney and and, and done it there. So that was my um, you know I didn't I didn't have the feeling like I had nothing to lose. I kind of had everything to lose. I had I loved I loved living in Sydney and I loved running that restaurant. So I literally had everything to lose and um, I really yeah just just wanted to 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 stay true to the cuisine that I really enjoyed where. EP was kind of cool because it was um, it was a Southeast Asian food that I loved, but it was the first chance I could get to kind of cook some dishes that my grandmother taught me as a as a child where, you know, when I was at Long Rain, it was kind of more Mardi. you know, worked under David Thompson, which ran Darley Street. So I didn't really want to stray away from Thai cuisine too much because I was almost... Handed uh, responsibility through the generations to to continue this legacy of um, I feel of almost like a, <laughs> almost non Thai people cooking Thai, you know, but, but who truly understand it and who truly have a palate that can that can execute it. Um, so when I got to Los Angeles, I was like, wow, this is an opportunity now where I can. Integrate, you know, some Chinese flavors from my Chinese Fijian grandmother, and some Indian style flavors from my Indian Indian grandfather, and and, st- and and still the the food and the cuisine that I fell in love with traveling Southeast Asia, but not necessarily Thai. I could venture in some nook jams and some, you know, some Vietnamese flavors as well. So that was really cool, and it was um it w- it made every menu change and every day a really fun. Um, kind of uh, bending the boundaries menu which kind of like was exciting for me and I feel like that excitement and that passion kind of translated through the menu and then to the customers as well them trying things that they've never tried before as
0: well Brisbane's food scene has evolved incredibly over the last decade, and you've been a big part of that over the last couple of years. But how, how did you go from that environment where you really found yourself as a chef and we were making a huge impact in the states to moving to to Brisbane?
1: Um, I just really, yeah, I, I, um, a big a big a big part of it was you know I'm always I've always been like a, a Mullen Bimbi boy at heart. Um, and I think that that's like, it jumps back to just staying true to, to who I am and to, you know, what makes me happy. And, um, you know, at this point in time, we'd already had one of my daughters in, uh, in, in LA and, um, actually a really good friend of mine came to, to EP, Jonathan Barthelmus, who's got Apollo and, um, and, uh, son in Sydney and he just opened Greca at Howard Smith Wharves in Brisbane. And he's he, he told me, he goes, oh, Louie, mate, I've opened this restaurant in Brisbane and it's just gangbusters. And I said, Brisbane? What? <laughs> I said, mate, I me. I know they're free pouring the cocktails here, but... <laughs> and I said, Brisbane's going off, really? And he goes, mate, it's just like, you know, the produce, the, the customer base, the clientele, like working for these amazing guys that you know, Howard Smith was and this and that. And, and I was like, wow. And he's originally from Burley and his, his parents still live there. He's like, man, I just go, check on the restaurant, go down to Burley, go for a surf, see mum and dad, come back. And I was like, wow, that's – you're just like, man, you could do it. Like, you could do it in Mullen, you know. You could just see your mum and dad and this and that. And, and um, that's kind of when the cog started uh, – yeah, it just started kind of turning in my head. It didn't happen straight away, but it, um, it gave me a bit of – and i started to, you know, really uh, think about kind of coming home then. And, you know, I think all the boys thought I'd be coming back to Sydney and, you know, like, uh, you know, getting back and going back into the crew and moving back into that apartment we built. And, and that same again, like, it's so funny, like talking to you, it's just like made a lot of things clear. And it's same again. It's like, well, moving back to Sydney, is that going to be an adventure? Is that going to, am I going to meet new friends? Am I going to make a new, you know? And then I thought that's when I thought again, I was like, what about Brisbane? You know, what about going to Brisbane and opening a restaurant and making new friends and living in a new, you know, like a, a new environment. And, and yeah, and that's kind of that that same kind of this feeling kind of swept over me again. And I said, oh, how about this, you know, and I came back and um, it's been an, an amazing um, journey as well. And, like, talking to the guys in when I moved back and, you know, like, 2 years ago they said did you did you have a crystal ball did you know what was going to happen you know <laughs> <laughs> and i was like no i didn't you know and meanwhile you know this pandemic and this black lives matter you know riots were going on and you know it was like wild and i guess you know that's another you know that the if you don't open these doors they'll stop knocking and you never know what's going to be behind them and so it's just kind of been like, uh, just, just, you know, when trust your gut, you know, and just continue to, to, um, to, to live the life that you want to live. And, uh, know, yeah, I feel like it's just, you know, that this, that it's just paid off so far. So it's been a, it's been an amazing journey back in Brisbane again, you know, so, so many stories.
0: Well, Stanley is an amazing restaurant and, um, It's made an incredible impact on the city as well, and so has all the restaurants along that wharf. It's an incredible development. Tell us a bit about Stanley and um, what's it been like um, jumping into um, Cantonese cuisine and reaching into some of your heritage as well?
1: It's one thing I always um, wanted to do, even after EP, even though it was, yeah, I was in, integrating some Indian and some Chinese into it and some Fijian, it was still predominantly, you know, the, the it was still Southeast Asian, you know, because I just could not swallow the term Pan-Asian in America. So I absolutely could never call it Pan-A. I'm like, what the fuck, Pan-A? pan-A? I'm like, don't call it Pan-Asian. <laughs> so it's still, you know, Southeast Asian and, um, I really love, you know, I think maybe I took 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 this from admiring Hongi's work, you know, where he's never like painted himself into a corner of cuisine, you know, where sometimes, you know, working working at Long Rain and, and you know, Marty Marty was an amazing Italian chef. He's an amazing, he can cook German food. He's like, you know, he can cook some, he worked in Tuscany, you know, he can cook some serious um, European food, but... He's the, he's the long-range chef, you know, so he's the, he's the Thai chef, you know. So um, it was kind of I always wanted to, not that that's a bad thing, but I was like maybe I should try to, you know, like really extend my repertoire of cuisine and that way I can, you know, ping pong between a lot of, you know, I fell in love with Mexican food when I was in LA and I, that's something I still want to do. So I was like I need to kind of like really try to figure out how to extend my restaurant repertoire in that way then you know I can have a broad range of cuisines that I hopefully can master and um, this site in in Brisbane was you know without even doing anything it looked like a traditional Cantonese restaurant in on, on the on Stanley Bay in in Hong Kong, you know, it's this, it was an old um, water police headquarters with a terracotta roof and, you know, all the beautiful architraves and yeah, yeah, very colonial. And, you know, people come down and go, wow, you made it look like a traditional Chinese restaurant, but that's it, you know, and ride right on the water, you're looking towards the city and this restaurant, it was just, mate, if, if, if it wasn't a Cantonese restaurant, oh my God, I don't know, you know, what. What what you would what you would look at it as, but you know, and then I, I I came and I met with the met with the owners and they were you know they were completely you know psyched on on a on a Cantonese restaurant there, and I was just like man, if we don't do it, it's it's you know this this opportunity will never come again. So you know, working with this amazing team and you know it was just such a considered and beautiful restaurant you know one of the owners is owns a construction company so he he you know fitted the whole thing out working with amazing designers and you know truly was the you know the dream restaurant and the dream kitchen um to to thankfully you know open at least once in my life you know just uh just so just just no expense spared and just you know just it's unbelievable i still walk in every day and i just even doesn't matter how busy we are or how crazy it is or how much of a hectic day i have ahead i sit in that restaurant and i have a coffee and it's like oh man things are actually things are good that things are all right you know so yeah it's been it's been cool and it's a, it's a beautiful beautiful restaurant for sure
0: mentoring and looking after the next generation is a real feature of what you do even though you're still so young yourself but the last two years have been pretty challenging how have you kept your team motivated and on top of everything um and interested in a career in in hospitality
1: um that was like a really it was it was a really big um well i think that you know it it, it was a i knew once everything started happening with COVID, I knew that I needed to, to, to look after the guys that had opened Stanley with me. It hadn't been open long. Um, and I knew, you know, some people thought the world was going to end, um, but I knew we would all have to go back to the restaurant and open back up and, and the struggle would be real. Um And during that big lockdown, the first lockdown, a couple of years ago, I basically, once it was like, oh, you can have 10 people at your house and, you know, da-da-da-da, soon as that news came out, we had a, you know, through the lockdown, we had a group chat with all the, you know, text messaging and all the chefs that were there. And then as soon as that kind of 10-person and 20-person thing, you know, I had them straight over to my house. We, you know, did a big barbecue fed them, had beers, had everything. And, and um, I knew because I knew they would, you know, I knew they needed something to to hang on to, some some light at the end of the tunnel. Like, yes, I still got a job. Yes, I'm going back to Stanley. Yes, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And for me as well, To once that, you know, once that hammer dropped, then we could open. I could depend on these guys to, to come back and to, Flip straight back into it and just hit the ground running, you know. So we just constantly were texting and sharing kind of ideas and, you know, like um, where we're eating and what we're watching and, you know, so what we're cooking at home. And then that way, you know, what's, I think it was really good for, for their mental kind of stability to to know that yep i'm going back with louis and we're gonna you know everything's gonna be all right and then for me as well to know that you know as a chef you know you know you're only as good as your team you know you can be the best chef in the world but if you don't have any you know any really great you know chefs in the kitchen with you you know it's impossible so that was always at at the you know at the back of my mind and just like we thought, you know, it opened and, and then we just hit the ground running and opened back up. And, uh, you know, I think it's just kind of like those that first day when I walked into Long Rain, you know, if, if Marty didn't take me under his wing or, um, you know, welcome me with, with open arms and Luke Powell in the, in the back kitchen, like maybe I wouldn't be where I am today. So I feel like it's my duty and my responsibility to be able to, to pass that on to to young chefs and young cooks and young kitchen hands in 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 my team to to be able to maybe hopefully you know change change the trajectory of their life for you
0: know for for years and years to come. You've had the most extraordinary career, and now you're really big part of the evolution of Brisbane's um, food scene. What, what do you love about what you do?
1: Um, I really love the the. Just kind of the connection to to everything you know and that's why cantonese food's been been a pretty amazing experience and having cooking Cantonese food in brisbane is you know I think it's almost like a match made in heaven where um just using this amazing produce amazing seafood amazing farmers amazing Asian vegetables and and supporting and connecting with with all the the produce that's In this area, you know, like I'll use beef from Stockyard and I've become really amazing friends with the whole Hart family who, you know, generations of beef farmers out in Toowoomba and, and another, you know, amazing kind of Asian grocer, producer, Michael from Taihoa, who his kids just kind of... Ended up being exactly the same age as my kids, and our wives get along, and we go out to the shop, and he supplies me all of my, you know, Asian groceries, and meeting really amazing, you know, fishermen, and being able to utilize their product in the kitchen as well, and I just love like that. That same again, just back to that connection and that camaraderie, and um, and just you know, not you know, not making the the everyday mundane job of cooking and serving and cleaning up and coming back just making it you know just just still loving and riding this kind of wave and spark that is still burning inside of me in the industry so i just kind of yeah just i just love that um you know i think it's just same just connections with uh with anyone in the industry, whether it's chefs or delivery drivers. I love having a yarn with a delivery driver. You know what I mean? Like I just enjoy it. I just, I just truly still enjoy being in the kitchen. So it's, um,
0: yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. I still love it. Well, mate, I, I love catching up with you for a chat. It's always entertaining. You've always got a story to tell. Um, <laughs> We've loved having you on the luminaries on Deep in the Weeds today to hear just a little bit of your story. Um, please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. No, absolutely. It was great. Nice to nice to chat for sure. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who play their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at deepintheweedspodcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweedspodcast.com.au Stay safe and be well.